Hola, this is the Perspective with Viv podcast. My name is Viv and welcome to the show. Today we're doing uh, an episode on my top 80s films, Mature Review. Okay, so basically the top 80s films that I spoke about in the previous episode are going to be discussed again because after releasing the episode, I went back to watch it with, watch the um films that I listed with adult eyes okay and what I liked what I thought I liked about certain films I realized that oh wow as a grown girl some things are odd and not as attractive you get me um then you're able to really understand more things more nuances you get me don't worry we'll get into it so yes this episode is titled top 80s films part two So I'm just going to start from the very beginning. I remember that I had my top five films for this episode, right? And one thing that stuck to me the most was that um, some of these films actually had toxic themes in them. Mm -hmm. Some of them had this confusing way of doing things. Don't worry, I'll get into it. So although I had my top five, I then realized that, oh, my top five has changed. Okay. So I'm going to start with St. Elmo's Fire. I believe St. Elmo's Fire must have been my um, top three. It was number three. So St. Elmo's Fire is that f- film that I told you was like a cult classic in a way because it, and it was a coming of age film. Um, it had a lot of the Brat Pack in it. It had um, Emilio Estevez, Andrew McCarthy, Judy, no, Ali Shidi, Demi Moore, um, Judd Nelson, Rob Lowe, most last, Marianne Williamson. Oh, God knows, wrong name. But the last lady, let me not even say her name if I don't know it. But yeah, and the last lady, sorry I left you out. So, Thomas Fire was about these friends that were coming out of college into the real world, right? Now, I remember how I was always excited because back in, in the day, I used to have this like, um, I wanted to have a group of friends, girls and boys that we all hung out. We liked each other, you know, we took care of ourselves. But and watching this film made me realize that that's not realistic because even in this group that they were in, they were most of them were either crushing on the other secretly or some of them were fucking secretly. And I mean, like, like, you know, it's not just one or two people. It's like, Two people with the same person, you know, different times. Or do you get what I'm saying? Like they were passing each other around, or like they're going around each other in the people that could basically. And I was like, what the hell is this? Like, this is weird. I didn't see this before. Billy, that was played by Rob Lowe, like just messy, cannot get over the fact that he's graduated and he's in the real world and he was wild in school and he had a baby, you know, out of wedlock. So he's a dad, but he's still like playing around, finding it difficult to hold jobs, sleeping around. I was like, what is going on? Meanwhile, his baby mama is at home, waiting for him to get back out, get back home. And then Demi Moore drops him and then they make out. And I'm like, is this, is this normal? Is this what they normally do? Like you're making out in front of the house that his baby mama lives in with the baby. That's where they all live. They get me, they didn't have boundaries. That's one thing that I saw. Yuck. It was, I don't like, 
mm, I don't like mess. That wasn't cute at all. Then who else? Judd Nelson's character that was dating Ali Shidi's character, who I love. I love Ali Shidi more than anything. She's such a gorgeous, beautiful girl. Um, Judd Nelson was a sex addict. I didn't know that. I always noticed that he was always speaking in tongues. Do you get what I'm saying? Or in circles. He was a politician as well, so you can imagine. Judd Nelson's character was he was Ali Shidi was a virgin now it was more I was more aware of it like I could now understand the dynamic she was a virgin he was fucking around and then he was hoping to force her into marriage under the guise that that would stop him from cheating do you get me like I'm not getting some with you I'm getting some outside but if you marry me I'll be faithful do you get what kind of rubbish is that and then he would use little ways to try and tempt her into having sex with him like he bought her lingerie you know, but I'm like, why are you buying lingerie for a God that has explicitly made me declare that I don't want to have sex until we're married, but I don't want to get married right now. I'm still just trying to get to know my life. Do you get me? Although she did think she was going to marry him, right? She wasn't rushing. It wasn't until she figured out that he was a cheater that that happened, you know, that, that, that they broke up. And then he became an asshole. I was just irritated. Like, what the hell? <laughs> you get me? <laughs> I was like, this is not the film I remember. But then again, back in the day, like I just knew toxic things. You get, so I felt like, yeah, I don't know. I'm just giving whatever reason comes to my head. But that was just a dumb film. I'm sorry. <laughs> I don't like films that abuse boundaries, that don't have respect for each other. That is just dumb. Then Emilio Estevez's character that became obsessed with this beautiful girl, Andy. Um, that was a doctor and he was stalking her up and down the city, he even followed her outside the, um, the state to, to when she went to the mountains, chasing her, chasing her, trying to force her to like him. What the actual fuck? <laughs> then when he followed her to the mountains, he ended up kissing her goodbye when she didn't expect it. And then he felt happy about it. So basically you're chasing her just to get something. Now that you have it, you're good. It was just dumb. Like, I'm so sorry. I, I love 80s films, but wow. Sorry. So Almost Fire is not a classic to me. It's, unless it's really how they were back then, doing all of that. It was the 80s. I don't know. And then it was White America. I just felt like it just wasn't my thing. When I really looked at it, it just wasn't my thing. To then find out that Demi Moore's character that is best friends with Ali Shidi's character, Demi Moore secretly fucks Jordan Nelson's character behind her back and they've been fucking since college. Hello. Because I found it so weird that out of nowhere, um, Demi Moore's character shows up to the flat that Ali and George share. And she says she wants to sleep over. Do you get me? Demi Moore's character was that kind of character. And I'm like, what? But it was clear that they were no longer fucking because she kept trying to insinuate things or instigate situations where he would try, he would come and save her or she would spend the night at the flat. You get me? Just to get something. But he wasn't giving her anymore. I was like, what the fuck? Because I, th I thought it was weird that when she slept over, when she tried to sleep over, he was looking at how weird as he was getting the bed set up. I was like, that doesn't she have a house? You get me? She, do she did. She did have a house of her own. Then she kissed Ali goodnight. She kissed Jod. She kissed Jod first on the lips. Good night. Thank you for being so good to me. And I was like, that is that is that allowed? Then she kissed Ali on the lips. I said, what kind of group of friends are these? Does that make sense? So since almost fire, it really wasn't it for me. Like, yes, they did the coming of age things in different ways, but it was just, oh, wow. To see it again, I was like, oh, no, 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 no. This is not cute. 
And then let's not even talk about how um, Rob Lowe's character, Billy, kept asking the nerdy woman in the group that he was pulling along. She had crushed on him for a long time. He would take money from her. She, she would drive him to different places while still having that baby mama. And I, I just couldn't get it. Like, you know that he's married, right? Like, Billy was married because of that baby. But Billy was not acting like it. Then he would make out with the girl as well, the nerdy girl. I was like, ah. This is so weird. And then he kept asking, I say virgin, I say virgin, I say virgin. She was like, my virginity has nothing to do with you. Towards the end, he asked again, I say virgin. She was like, that. what the fuck? And she was, he was like, that. I'm asking because can I be so bold as to ask for a going away present since I'm moving to New York? Because Billy, he had just messed up so many times. He had a toxic relationship with his baby mama, everything. And the baby mama said that the boyfriend that she had before she got pregnant still wants to marry her and will adopt the daughter and they can get their marriage annulled. You get me? So Billy was then going to move to New York to get a better job, play his sax, get money. But he was leaving all of that behind. And that's why he asked this girl if he can ask for her virginity for a going away presence. What the fuck? Okay, so because of that, since Almost Fire went from number three to number five, real quick, I do not recommend you watch this film. I do not. It sends the wrong impression. Besides, we're no longer in coming of age. We're no longer in that um, era of coming of age for us. So why should we watch it? No, since Almost Fire really disgusted me. I'm so sorry. Like... This is me speaking from the heart. I'm like, I watched this film and I thought it was good. Zero. So that sent almost fire. Number five. The next um, film that is number five as well is Pretty in Pink. And I think Pretty in Pink must have been number two because I had some kind of wonderful. Yes. Pretty in Pink has been demoted to number five. I'll tell you why. Pretty in Pink, right? It has to do with this girl played by Molly Ringwald. And she likes this rich guy, Andrew McCarthy. And she has this best friend played by this man. Um, he's, the best friend's name is called Ducky. He, he's the guy from Two and a Half Men. So, well, it's really about their life. They're in high school, right? They're leading up to prom. Ducky realizes that he has a crush on Molly and he's so upset that she doesn't like him back i hate that kind of thing when a guy likes you and he's upset that you don't like him back. bitch please <laughs> so it was annoying the way he was behaving up and down up and down up and down I'm, I'm not i didn't even watch pretty in pink when i went back to do my flashbacks i don't know maybe i'm now thinking that i forced myself to like pretty in pink because it was a cult classic at the time because I didn't like that Ducky was behaving so annoying when he was supposed to be her best friend. And because he liked her and she liked someone else, he was acting out of character. And then at the end, they ran to each other and hugged at prom, you know, because he had, ch he had changed or he had stopped being annoying. Do you get me? I was just like, mm, would I forgive? Like, I don't like that entitled thing of you're crushing on me so I should crush on you that's disgusting that's not my thing so I felt like if that was her best friend and he was acting like that because she was crushing on a rich guy why are these two friends number one so I think that whole ducky thing didn't really bode well for me and it's funny a fun fact John Hughes actually wrote it in a way that she ended up with ducky 
But the audience didn't like that. So they had to reshoot it for her to end up with Andrew McCarthy. Even John Hughes' way of thinking didn't make sense to me when I heard that. I was like that. The way you've written that story is not in a way in which we'll be rooting for Ducky. We shouldn't be We shouldn't be rooting for a character just because he's pining for somebody that doesn't have the same feelings as he does. Just because you have feelings for someone doesn't mean that they have to have feelings for you. That's not their business. And I feel like that's something that society has as a program running i like you so i think you should like me because i like you and i've told you that i like you so there should be some form of no you like me thank you for telling me you can keep your feelings if i don't like you like literally that's something for you to sit with that has nothing to do with me you don't make your feelings about me because you're crushing on me that has nothing to do with me so it's an entitlement thing so i was like wow do you even write that she ended up with ducky you know, so yeah, so he reshot it and she ended up with Andrew McCarthy. But Pretty in Pink for me now, I realized it didn't really excite me. I have the DVD. I must have thought that it was something exciting back then, but it's not. So Pretty in Pink is number number five now. All right. I'm going to talk about the next one. Oh, it's so funny. One, two, three, four, five. I put Pretty in Pink and sent almost fire as number five. There is no number four. Some kind of wonderful comes in at number three, all right? And let me tell you why. Some kind of wonderful, watch it again, beautiful. Beautiful soundtrack, like I said, it still holds me. The man, the, now, let me tell you, I saw this film with very much mature eyes because I saw that Keith, the main character, was very much a strong man with a strong sense of self, which is very difficult to have when you're in high school. He had a mind of his own and he was very sure of what he wanted and what he was going to do. And he was very intentional, okay? I really liked how he was as a character with his love interest, okay? But I loved Watts which was his best friend. Now, I believe that Some Kind of Wonderful was made as a result of Pretty in Pink not having the ending that John Hughes wanted, that's what I was told. So John Hughes made Some Kind of Wonderful for himself. Now, John Hughes, I just want to understand something. The way he wrote that film, it didn't make sense now that I looked at it with mature eyes. Yes, Keith was such a strong, solid character. He really garnered respect. You know, the way he went about wanting to date um, Amanda Jones, the way he went about planning the date and being intentional, the fact that he was an artist and he was a hard worker and he had saved money for so long. You know what I'm saying? I like him. I liked him as a character. I, I thought that he was solidly written. I And then Watts, his best friend, was jealous that he liked the rich girl, right? But she wasn't so mean about it. She was still, yes, she was, she was acting annoying. But what I loved was that he was like to her why are you giving me shit like he was always calling her out do you get me which i loved so they had that kind of relationship that fostered clear communication anyway i feel like amanda jones yeah not like she liked him but she really grew like the way that date was was beautiful that even when they had those conversations and he looked at her and he said that i don't want you to ever have to borrow jewelry again from your friends or anything like i'll take care of you kind of thing that was pretty and nice you know and when they went to the party and they ended up having that showdown with the bully, I feel like that's where John Hughes did his thing. Because when they came out of that house after um, Amanda Jones had slapped her ex-boyfriend that was the bully that planned on beating up um, Keith, what happened was that Keith comes out of the house and he sees Watts, right, on the car. And he just flashes back to kissing her do you get me and then he realizes that she's the one that he loves 
Do you get Amanda Jones clocks it and then says, you know what, go after your girl. Take the diamond earrings as well. Beautiful song. Beautiful, no, it was a beautiful film. This some kind of wonderful, much better than Pretty in Pink. Yes. I like that she did that, right? But, but for me, I felt like when he came out of the house, was it the spell that had broken? That spell of wanting to challenge the rich kids to show them that you being yourself was just enough. Do you get me? And him being himself, he was he was able to date Amanda Jones and give her the best days of her life. And then, you know, standing up to that bully that had been so annoying for that whole film, maybe the spell just broke and he realized that maybe he was with Amanda Jones for the wrong reasons. Do you get me? I don't think it was convincing. Why? He painted Amanda and put her painting inside the museum. He did this and that, but it could have been infatuation because we are teenagers after all. Do you get me in the film? But I don't think I was really, really, really sold on the love between him and Watts. I wish that John had put elements of that there so that when we saw him realize that, oh, he loved Watts, it would have been a bit more believable because I always did remember that when i watched the film i was like that uh -uh. why does he come out of the house then all of a sudden he's having flashbacks of kissing Watts and he's realizing that maybe Watts is his person i liked it it was more believable that they would love each other as opposed to ducky and molly in pink pretty in pink that's for sure so it was still something that acceptable it didn't seem like it was written very well was written with such a focus on amanda jones that Watts was really a supporting character that just sort of ended up with the man and then when they're walking back, when they're walking together and he gives her the diamond earrings that he initially gave Amanda Jones, she what's is smiling and saying, I wanted these, I wanted these so much. And then he says, you knew you were going to get these. You knew you were going to get these. I didn't know anything. <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? Like, John, don't force us to think that Watts and Keith were going to get together all this time. Nobody knew anything. So I, don't, I just feel like John's writing, now that I'm aware of it, I don't really think it was strong. I don't think it was strong in... Pretty in Pink, I think was better in some kind of wonderful. I'm not sure whether he's one that wrote Ferris Bueller's Days Off because I just find it hard to watch that film. So, wow. You know, to see things from a, like a more mature view is just crazy. Like, yeah. So some kind of wonderful comes in at number three. <gasps> Coming in hot at number two is Falling in Love, Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep. Let me tell you what I loved about this film. Beautiful, beautiful film from start to finish. Number one, the chemistry between Robert De Niro and um, Meryl Streep. Meryl is just beautiful, lovely. Now, look, what I love about this film was the maturity of it. What I love about this film is the maturity of it. Two married people ended up meeting each other and falling in love without doing anything like it was conversations it was natural it was a build-up it was genuine do you get me it was intentional like they were trying very hard to not be disrespectful to their spouses do you get me now what i liked was that we weren't really forced to hate robert's wife she seemed like a wife that knew that she was in a marriage with a husband that lacked some form of passion and it wasn't anyone's fault. They were respectful to each other. It was just marriage. You know, she had a sarcastic comments that really held more meaning than any, than normal. Do you get me? However, it's not like we were forced to hate her. It was just clear that she had a particular way of communicating and a particular way of seeing things. Do you get me? 
and she was the one that clocked that he liked somebody and immediately she clocked she was like that i'm leaving the house with the kids for the weekend decide whether or not she would like to remain in this marriage or not do you get me i felt like it was so mature on the other side um this guy uh, Merle's man Merle's man had his um he was distant but once again we were not forced to hate him he had his neglectful stuff his insecurity do you get me it was there but it was not the main thing it wasn't the driving force of them liking each other they just liked each other and they were very good platonic friends do you get me the love was building yes right and then they went to his friend's flat his friend his friend cheats a lot um Robert's friend and so does Merle's friend as well. She um, she sleeps with younger guys and travels with them. You get me? So they had those kind of influences. Mm, enough to just try and realize what choice they would make. Okay. So Rob takes Merle to his friend's flat. Mm. Um, Merle comes. Okay. Merle then... I think they obviously they make out for a bit, but like they don't do anything. They just stop. I felt so happy because let me tell you something. I do not believe in affairs. I do not believe in cheating. I believe that when love is pure, right? You make sure that you enter it when the coast is clear, when there's no baggage, when you're not hurting anyone. You don't just go in so hard. No, you're intentional. Everybody left their respective marriages before these people found each other again. And I loved it. Ah, no, it was it was a beautiful film, which is why it's my number two, Falling in Love. I highly, highly recommend. It was so mature, so respectful. Oh, no, beautiful film. So you have to watch it. Okay. Last one coming in hot at number one is Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. My baby. Not Tom Cruise though, Dustin. <sighs> This film was everything and more, pure 80s. Tom Cruise's acting, beautiful. Beautiful support to Dustin's beautiful, endearing, committed role as Ray. Do you get me? Dustin Hoffman has just always been a great, great actor and he carried this film. Beautiful film that, um, beautiful film that expanded on autism okay as a disability um so he had he was high functioning autistic yes he's a high functioning autistic person and they explained everything routines you know how the person is routines remember um our episode on autism awareness exactly go and watch this film rain man if you haven't they spoke about what he needs routine he doesn't like to be uncomfortable you know he likes things in a particular order they showed different things to the T. They were very good with it. It was so informative, educative, without being like it's lecturing. It was so natural. And they kept bringing things, you know, they showed how autistic people can be so genius in different things, right? And then in other things, they're not as smart. You get me? For example, Ray. Ray could, if you poured a box of matchsticks on the floor, Ray could count all of them. Okay, but if you ask Ray, how much is this in the store? Ray would be like $100. He had no concept of money. Ray was good with numbers. So good, you know. And it was just beautiful to watch. It was beautiful to watch the building relationships between both brothers, especially when Tom initially had that resentment for him. There was a huge development in the relationship on both ends and then a personal development for 
Tom's character. I tell you that this film is such a beautiful film. It's such a beautiful film. Very like difficult to really, really explain because it just makes your heart fall. You get me? But one thing that really stayed with me, Dustin Hoffman's performance, Tom Cruise's performance, just that synergy, that alignment, that camaraderie, the brotherhood, the jokes, like Ray's character couldn't get jokes, but then he started to laugh when he finally, you know, like the progress, the, the film was an opportunity for Ray to live outside of his institution. And in that process, he was given the opportunity to grow and experience things in wider proportions. You get me? To the point where he could laugh at a joke, whereas he could never laugh at jokes before in the institution. Do you get me? So there was more of a humanizing element that was brought to him from him being able to have his own experience as an autistic man in the world. And it was beautiful. Oh, you have to watch it. And that is why that film is my number one. Beautiful start to the end. You get me? Beautiful building of bonds, beautiful understanding of the storyline, the context of the characters, the background story of the characters, the relationships they had before Ray was shipped off, you know, just lovely. And yeah, there's some other things that were also studied there. You see it. But one thing I can say that it was actually a very good film. The only thing I didn't like was the girlfriend of Tom, who was just trying to play God with Ray with different things that she was trying to teach him or show him. And it was just, there's a word for it. I would say, I would like to say it's ableist, like, because you think you're doing something by saying, oh, Ray, you haven't kissed a girl before, right? Let me teach you. No, just stop. Do you get me? Nobody said that you should do anything. Nobody, nobody was the right word. There's nobody that appointed you the head of teaching an autistic man how to kiss a girl or hold a woman's butt. Do you get what I'm saying? It was just dumb. That's the one part that I didn't like. But other than that, I really enjoyed the film and I would highly recommend. Yeah. So let's just say that countdown one more time. Coming in at number five, we have Pretty in Pink and St. Elmo's Fire. Coming in at number three, we have Some Kind of Wonderful. Number two, we have Falling in Love, Robert De Niro and Meryl Streep. And hot at number one is Rain Man, Dustin Hoffman and Tom Cruise. Highly recommend. I highly recommend one, two and three. Forget about four and five. And I will definitely be seeing you the next time we're talking about films. If you really enjoyed this episode, feel free to share a voice message. Feel free to send your written messages across as well. And yeah, don't be afraid to share with your friends do you get me if you really enjoyed this episode tell your friends about it thank you so much for listening lots of love to you catch you in the next episode bye